Good morning, folks. It's really lovely to be able to share with you this morning as we continue our journey through the book of Ruth. Growing up, I always thought that the idea of a long-distance relationship just seemed to me quite foolish. Uh, I didn't particularly enjoy travelling anywhere. There needed to be a good reason to go as far as somewhere like Lancaster and a really good reason to go as far as somewhere like Preston. And the idea of a long-distance relationship just seemed a particularly difficult way to get to know someone. Then when I went to Bible school, I met Heather. And I found myself working really hard to try and get into a long-distance relationship. Heather and I, after Bible school finished, had over four years getting to know each other over long distance. And that was a challenge at times. I really liked Heather, um, obviously. Um, but there were times where we couldn't talk for, for, for quite a while because of schedules and, and busyness. And it was in times like that I could start to think, you know, what if one of those crafty Canadians uh, realises how great Heather is and really uh, kind of pursues her? Or, or what if she's, she's gone off me or, or, or things like that? And in times like that, in times of, of, of silence, in times of challenge, I took great comfort from Heather's character. Because as I got to know Heather over the, over the six months and that we, we got to know each other in, in Bible school, I knew that she was someone who told the truth. Um, I knew that she was somebody whose character I could trust. That didn't mean to say our relationship was um, bound to work out. But if she uh, decided that, that she wanted to stop it, I'm sure, I was sure that she would tell me. I'm sure that she would be honest with me. So in times of great pressure, what brought peace was Heather's character. We're going to look a little bit about character today as we're in Ruth chapter 2. Let's just remind ourselves where we're up to. In Ruth chapter 1, we've seen that Naomi and her family have gone to Moab because of a famine. So they've gone to live with God's enemies. And during that time, Naomi's husband, Elimelech, and his, her two sons have died. And she's gone back to her homeland, back to Bethlehem, with one of her daughter-in-laws, Ruth. And that's where we pick up the story today. What we're going to do is we're going to look at um, three different sections of the chapter. We'll read it, we'll just have a little look at it, and then we'll pull together some application at the end. So let's read the first seven verses of Ruth chapter 2. Now Naomi had a relative on her husband's side, a man of standing from the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, Let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone in whose eyes I find favour. Naomi said to her, Go ahead, my daughter. So she went out, entered a field, and began to glean behind the harvesters. As it turned out, she was working in the field belonging to Boaz, who was from the clan of Elimelech. Just then Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters. The Lord be with you. The Lord bless you, they answered. Boaz asked the overseer of his harvesters, who does that young woman belong to? 
The overseer replied, She is the Moabite who came back from Moab with Naomi. She said, Please let me glean and gather among the sheaves behind the harvesters. She came into the field and has remained here from morning till now, except for a short rest in the shelter. Let's pause there for a moment. Let's have a try and unpack some of those verses for a moment or two. In verse 1, the author of Ruth uh, highlights Boaz for us. So before he appears in the story, we already get introduced to him. And we just get a little detail about who Boaz is. First of all, we get to know that he's a, a relative of Elimelech. And that's become, going to become really important as the story goes on. But we'll just put that on the back burner for now. It's not um, perhaps so important for chapter 2. We also know that Boaz's name means strong or strength in him is strength. And so we, we get the sense right from the beginning that Boaz is a, is a strong man. And we also get this detail that he's a man of standing. That's what it says in the NIV or in the NASB. We read he's a man of great wealth. In the ESV it says he's a man, uh, he's a worthy man. I think it's the King James that says he's a man of valour. And that phrase, which he's translated those different ways, um, encompasses all of those ideas. It's the same word that's used in Judges for when the angel appears to Gideon and calls him a mighty warrior or a courageous warrior. So Boaz is a strong man, a man of wealth and reputation, and quite possibly a, a warrior or a military man, He's an impressive man right from the beginning. Then we get to see a little bit more about him in, in verse 4 and 5. We read just then, Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters, the Lord be with you. The first words that come out of his mouth are about his Lord. You can tell sometimes how um, saturated somebody is in, the, in their relationship with God. When, when God just reaches into every corner of their being, even in Boaz's uh, greeting, we get a sense that, that he's a God-fearing man. And he has this good relationship with his harvesters. They repeat the, the greeting back to him. We also get the sense that he's recognised that, that Ruth is in the field. He's not just a rich man who's never there. But as he arrives to see what's going on, he notices there's somebody new. He's familiar with, going, with what's going on in his estate. He's a, a, he's a rich man, he's an influential man, but he's also a man who sees, a man who notices what's happening. And he asks who this woman, young woman belongs to. That sounds a strange question for our ears but in the time, that is a question that's saying, whose responsibility is it to look after this woman? Who should be providing for her? Who's looking out for her? Boaz, just from the initial um, verses we have about him, is a very impressive man. Then what about Ruth in those early, early verses? Verse 2, we read that Ruth takes initiative and she asks Naomi, should I go into the fields? Let me collect some of the grain. 
Let's remember that Ruth here is in an extremely vulnerable position. She's a foreigner. Not only a foreigner, but someone from the group of people who were just at odds with the Israelites. She has no one to protect her, no one to look out for her. She's learning new customs, new ways of operating. She's in a really vulnerable position. But she takes initiative. She asks Naomi if, if she should go on and, and collect grain. And Naomi here is, is sort of passive and, and absent. She gives no advice. She gives no direction. She doesn't even offer to, to kind of keep Ruth company. Naomi, understandably, as we read in chapter one, is, is feeling bitter, is feeling um, sad. She's grieving and she's, she's, she's just not there. Ruth, it takes initiative. Not only that, but she shows humility as she asks the overseer of the harvest, can I glean in this field? There's real courage in that. There's real boldness and there's real humility. And then we see that she's working hard in the fields. Right from the very beginning, we get a sense of just how impressive both Boaz and Ruth are. In different ways, there are different ends of society. One, an, an older man of reputation, of influence, of wealth, of standing. The other, a, a woman who's vulnerable, who has no reputation, who has no standing. But we're drawn to both because of their character. Let's continue reading on. Let me read verses 8 to 17. Let's try and follow the detail in these verses. So Boaz said to Ruth, My daughter, listen to me. Don't go and glean in another field, and don't go away from here. Stay here with the women who work for me. Watch the field where the men are harvesting, and follow along after the women. I have told the men not to lay a hand on you, and whenever you are thirsty, go and get a drink from the water jars that the men have filled. At this she bowed down with her face to the ground. She asked, Why have I found such favour in your eyes that you notice me a foreigner? Boaz replied, I've been told all about what you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, how you left your father and mother and, have, and your homeland and have come to live with the people you did not know before. May the Lord repay you for what you've done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. May I continue to find favour in your eyes, my lord, she said. You have put me at ease by speaking kindly to your servant, though I do not have the standing of one of your servants. At the mealtime, Boaz said to her, come over here and have some bread and dip it in wine vinegar. When she sat down with the harvesters, she offered some roasted grain. She ate all she wanted and had some left over. As she got up to glean, Boaz gave orders to his men, let her gather from among the sheaves and don't reprimand her. Even pull out some stalks for her from the bundles and leave them for her to pick up and don't rebuke her. So Ruth gleaned in the field until evening and she threshed the barley she gathered and it amounted to about an ephah. Let's pause there for a moment. It's interesting to see in these verses that again Ruth's character of hard work and humility has been, has been displayed. 
But I want us to notice a few things about Boaz from these verses. Boaz just pours kindness and grace and care into Ruth's life. Notice how he begins. In verse 8 he says, my daughter. That's how he addresses Ruth. That is incredible, isn't it? Ruth has left her father and her mother. She's left everything behind. There's no one to look out for her. And here this this mighty man, this powerful man, this potentially military man, addresses her as a daughter. It's a greeting of respect and honour. It's it's just a really tender and an honouring way to address her. And I think it it speaks highly of Boaz that he would do that. Next, notice that he will go out of his way to both provide for and protect Ruth. Look at the ways that he does that. In verse 9, he says he's told the men not to harm her. Remember, Ruth is so vulnerable here. She's, she's a foreigner and she's one of God's enemies, one of God's people's enemies, sorry. So no one's going to bat an eyelid if, if she's mistreated. But, but Boaz steps in to protect her. And if Boaz is who we think he is, then the men will certainly listen and not go against him. Then he also wants to provide for her. He says, if you need a drink, go and get one from the jars that the men have filled. Again, really interesting. It was the women who were to fill the water jars. But here Boaz has got the men to fill them. He's looking out for Ruth and potentially the other people who are gleaning in his field. He's a man of of might and power, but he's a man of care, a man of compassion, a man who has eyes to see the vulnerable and provide for them. Then in verse 14, something even more extraordinary happens as Boaz invites Ruth to eat at his table. She eats all she wants and even has some left over that she'll take home for Naomi. Then he takes it one step further as well. And he enables her to collect more and more grain and provides ways that she can get um, so much. Interestingly, he doesn't say, go home and I'll drop some round. Ruth still has to be active in what's happening. But it's Boaz's kindness that's overflowing into Ruth's life. There's a sense here where Boaz is perhaps going above and beyond. A little bit like their father in the story of the prodigal son as he races towards his son and sort of loses a little bit of dignity as he embraces his son and shows such love and and care. So Boaz here, this this man of reputation and of standing, this, this mighty man, he's been extravagant with the love and care that he's showing Ruth. Let's read the final verses in the chapter. Let's read verse 18 through to verse 23. This is a bit of dialogue between Ruth as she returns home and Naomi. She carried it back into town and her mother-in-law saw how much she had gathered. Ruth also brought out and gave her what she had left over after she'd eaten. Her mother-in-law asked, where did you glean today? Where did you work? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. 
Ruth told her mother-in-law about the one at whose place she'd been at work. The name of the man I worked with today is Boaz, she said. The Lord bless him, Naomi said to her. He has not stopped showing kindness to the living and the dead. She added, the man is a close relative. He is the one of our guardian redeemers. Then Ruth the Moabite said, he even said to me, stay with my workers until the finished harvesting all my grain. Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, it'll be good for you, my daughter, to go with the women who work with him, because in someone else's field you may be harmed. So Ruth stayed close to the women of Boaz to glean until the barley and wheat harvest were finished, and she lived with her mother-in-law. This is a fascinating dialogue between Ruth and Naomi. And it's incredible to see that as Naomi sees the kindness that, that Boaz has shown Ruth, it's almost as if that kindness starts to revive her. She starts to engage and ask questions. It's like that for, for Naomi, there's this sense that maybe there is some hope. Maybe there's some light at the end of the tunnel. And she starts to, to ask Ruth questions and see some of the things that the Lord is putting in place. The good character of Boaz and the good character of Ruth starts to spill out and overflow into Naomi's life. And she starts to have hope. Good character leads to good actions, leads to blessings other people's lives. It's, it's interesting as we follow the story and we're going in a very exciting direction as we go into chapter three and four in the coming weeks. But what can we learn from what we've looked at in chapter two? Certainly Boaz is going to help us understand the Lord Jesus. He's going to help us understand this extravagant grace and care and all the protection and provision that he offers to the vulnerable and those who can't do it for themselves. We're going to see much more of that in the chapters that come. But I want to just concentrate as we finish on, on two things that we can learn from Ruth chapter 2. Let's start with what we can learn from Boaz and his character. Firstly, the book of Ruth is written at, this, uh, at the same time and in the same setting as the book of Judges. And the book of Judges just displays for us this almost chaotic scenes as God's people just refuse to obey God's law. They end up in all sorts of trouble and, um, and chaos and, uh, and the society just keeps breaking down because the people refuse to obey God's law. Judges finishes by telling us that there's no king in Israel and everyone does what is right in their own eyes. And then in that setting, we have this man, Boaz, from the tribe of Judah. And here is a man who stands out as markedly different because he's a man of great character. And why is he a man of great character? And I want to suggest to you that he's a man of great character because he's a man who obeys God's law. His character is formed in obedience to the law of God. 
God's law, remember, as laid out in Leviticus, God's law is this description of his character. It, it helps us understand God's holiness and righteousness and justice and hope and grace and mercy and peace. His law is, a, is, a, is an outline, a blueprint of his character. And as Boaz obeys the law, so he starts to look like God. His character starts to reflect God's character. So in the law, it says, you let the poor and the foreigners and the widows glean the edge of the harvest. That's what Boaz does. In the law, it says there should be a kinsman redeemer, somebody who can look out for the family if someone dies or they hit hard troubles. And that's what Boaz does. In the law, it says, just think about the Lord. Think about him. May he always be in your mind and, in, and, in, and on your tongue and in your actions. And Boaz is living that out. As Boaz obeys the law, so his character is formed to look more and more like God. Character is formed through obedience. Obedience to, to what God has said. I think we all want to be people of great character. But that doesn't happen by magic. I want to suggest to you this morning that character is formed, godly character is formed, out of obedience. To what God says. Are there areas in our lives where God is, is speaking to us or as we read his word we read what he's saying and we need to be obedient. It might be about forgiveness or, or pointing ourselves in the, in the direction of forgiveness. It might be about it turning the cheek. It might be getting a hold of, of our thought life. It might be about integrity in business. It might be about dealing with pride. It could be about anything. But character is formed, I suggest, through obedience to what God has said. And then secondly, what can we learn from Ruth? Ruth is a very attractive character, isn't she, with her initiative and hard work, her grace, her humility. What can we learn from, from Ruth? Well, we get a really insightful um, answer from Boaz as, as Ruth is saying um, how grateful she is for his kindness. Let's, let me read the, the verse. It's verse um, 12, I believe. She's, she, um, Boaz says this to Ruth. May the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you've taken refuge. This is a fantastic image that Boaz uses. He recognises Ruth's vulnerability. I don't know if you noticed in the text when Ruth's name is mentioned, she's often mentioned that she's from Moab. Verse 2, Ruth the Moabite. Um, later on, the overseer of the harvest said that she's a Moabite from Moab. Well, we know that. We've got that very clearly from chapter 1. But I think the author is really underlining Ruth is vulnerable. She, she's just so vulnerable. And, and yet in her vulnerability, what she has done is she's chosen to take refuge in God. It's almost like she, she's come to, to hide in God. She's come to shelter under his wings. And it's a wonderful image is that because as a, a little chick, 
shelters under the, the wings of the mother hen. It's, it's an image of such uh, intimacy and protection and provision and care. As the chick just expresses how dependent they are on the mother. I mean, think about it. As the chick, um, little chick is with the mother and there's a problem, the chick doesn't pretend that they can solve it themselves. It doesn't strut around and, and show how big it is or how clever it is. It, neither does it hang back and say, oh, I'm not worthy to hide under my mother's wings. It, there's no inverted pride. It just darts under there. It shelters and takes protection under there. It's almost as if the chick is saying, you know, I, I just can't face this danger, but you can. I don't know where to look for food, but you do. I can't face this situation, but you can. It's just an attitude of beautiful trust and dependence. And that's what the Lord is looking for. When the Lord Jesus, years later, comes to the earth, he says this really interesting thing to the people of Jerusalem. Matthew chapter 23, verse 37. He says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you, how often I've longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. But you were not willing. When Jesus came to the earth, what he found was pride, arrogance, self-dependence, judging other people. He wanted to offer that care and provision and protection and intimacy and closeness and friendship. But he found people's hearts too hard for that. Ruth displays here, her character comes out of her intimacy and dependence upon the living God. Character isn't about knowing all the right answers. It's not about being clever or competent. Maybe it's about recognising our dependence on the Lord and enjoying his provision. There's a freedom and a simplicity and a beauty that come with that. In Ruth chapter 2 we see Boaz his great character flowing out of his obedience to the law of God and how that character then blesses and brings life to others. We see Ruth's character flowing out of her dependency upon the living God and how that brings courage and life and blessing for herself and for others. I wonder as we look at our own lives, can we be encouraged to obey the word of God and find intimacy, comfort and strength in him. We don't have to pretend to have everything all together. We can just shelter under the wings of the Almighty. Amen.